Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody this morning. We're so glad to have you here, and it's a great uh, privilege to start our service off with a, an expression of joy of what has happened in Tyler Robinson's heart. I want to share with you this morning a passage that I always share during a time like this of baptism. It comes from Romans chapter 6, where Paul shares with us and says, uh, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, By no means, how can we who died to sin live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And that's what Tyler comes to do this morning. He's already accepted Christ into his heart, but he comes to express that faith uh, through believers' baptism and obedience to what Christ has told us to do and in his expression of what Christ has done, that Christ died for us, was buried, and arose again, and that's what happens in our hearts uh, and in our lives. Uh, so, Tyler, if you'll go ahead and come, and then I'll share this. And Tyler wanted me to share this with you. If you hold your hands up. This is just a few words he wanted to share as an expression of his faith. And he said, I thank Jesus Christ for saving me. I look forward to serving him for the rest of my life. Amen. Tyler Robinson, what is your profession of faith? That Jesus is Lord. Upon your profession of faith is Jesus is Lord. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in baptism, and risen to walk in newness of life. Amen. Amen. And while I'm here, I wanted to go ahead and share with you uh, our welcome and our announcement. So just want to let those of you uh, know who are at home, uh, you can go to our church website at Highland Baptist Church. Uh, com is there that you can download your worship bulletin and the children's worship bulletins that go along with today's message. If you want these in person, our ushers will be glad to come and give you one of our worship bulletins. The children's worship bulletins are in this windowsill uh, over to my right. Uh, just encourage you too there if you're online uh, to heart, to like, to share the post, to let others know uh, that you're there with us. Uh, there's all those different platforms that you can see there uh, on your screen. I encourage you to, to take that time to do that and to follow us there. Uh, and then also, uh, because uh, I won't be back down in time to do our missionary moment, we want to take just a moment too to remember our missionaries in prayer. Uh, and this is Travis. Actually, that's last week's, I believe. Travis and Katie Cunningham's. Uh, this week is uh, Liz Carwood, uh, who has trained uh, local South Asian believers how to share uh, their faith with others. Uh, and she has, it tells you there in your bulletin a little bit about her story, uh, that Liz has encouraged Lipti to share the gospel after uh, she was able to, to uh, do some things with her, just some normal everyday things, having her uh, eyebrows uh, shaped. Uh, there were some conversations that was a, began there, uh, and through that, God opened some gospel conversations there. So Liz Carwood serves in Southwood, South Asia, uh, so we want to remember her uh, in prayer. And then also don't forget that you can do your regular giving 
Uh, there online, if you just go to the HighlandBaptistChurch.com, go to the far right-hand side, click that Give Online tab, or down here at the front or at the back as you leave, uh, you can leave your offering with us. Uh, there's a couple of other ways you can do that by sending it to, the, to us in the mail at Post Office Box 1195, Tullahoma, Tennessee, 37388, or you can also drop that by the church anytime during our business hours. But let's go to the Lord in prayer for Liz Carwood uh, and our service uh, as we begin. So let's go to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much. What a blessing it is to begin our service this way uh, with baptism. Father, we pray that maybe if there are others, Lord, who are considering this in their own heart, uh, who have never maybe received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, or, or maybe they realize that what happened to them in younger days was not genuine, Father, I pray that they will come to that place, a profession of faith as Jesus, as their Lord and their Savior. They would believe in their heart and confess with their lips that Jesus is their Lord. And Father, I pray that you would help them to come forward even this morning to publicly profess that and to follow through with believers' baptism. There are others, Lord, who may have already made that decision, but they've never followed through with baptism. So I pray, God, that they would also be able to come. Maybe there's, Lord, those you are working in their hearts to bring them to join our fellowship. We just pray, God, that you will bring them to. And, Lord, maybe we just need to deal with our own hearts about any sin that may be in our lives. So whatever the need may be, Lord, speak to our hearts. And we just pray, Lord, for Liz Carwood, who is serving there in South uh, Asia. We pray, God, for your blessings upon her uh, in the mission work there. Uh, Father, I pray that you'll continue to open opportunities that she may not have even realized yet. Lord, already you've done that through uh, just a God, through a conversation with someone shaping eyebrows there that opened a gospel conversation. Lord, help us to realize that we can have those kinds of gospel conversations even ourselves right here locally. But Lord, we pray for our missionaries and ask for your protection upon them. We ask your blessings upon them. And we ask, Lord, that you'll continue to provide for their every need. Continue to bless us, Lord, that when we give of our tithes and our offerings, uh, Lord, that each Sunday as part of that goes towards support those missionaries may we able to be able to give more so that we can support more and father I just pray for your blessings upon us as a church as well as those missionaries bless our service this morning we want to uplift the name of Jesus Christ and to glorify you so we give everything to you in Jesus name we pray amen You join us this morning. Philippians 4:19 says, "And God will meet all your needs in Christ Jesus." And it's it's amazing, but it shouldn't be that God is right there just when you need him most. So let's sing that very song. 65 in your hymnal. Would y'all stand? Been sitting a while. Stand. Let's sing all four verses of just when I need him most. Just when I need him, Jesus is near. Just when I falter, just when I fear, ready to help me, ready to cheer. Just when I need him most, just when I need. Never. 
since Brother Jim is not down here yet, we'll go ahead and start the uh, next song. Turn to uh, 455, and I'll try to get the right songs and the music right this, this week. I told them in Sunday school class this morning, when she's playing one thing or they're playing one thing and I'm seeing another, nine million things goes through your head at one time, and it ain't in the good. And finally, got on the right song. So choir is going to be singing, standing and singing, I Must Tell Jesus, 455. Y'all can stay seated on this one. And we'll sing the first and the second and the fourth verse, guys. Ms. Pat. Next hymn, turn to 151 in your hymnals, and for those at home can read the words, but uh, the song is Tell It to Jesus, 451, join the choir, and you all can stand again if you would like to stretch your legs, and uh, Children's Church will be meeting over here during this song on the piano side, so let's sing together Tell It to Jesus, 451.
Sunday. You may not like a lot of singing. You may not like to sing yourself. But the Bible tells us when we get to heaven, we're going to be around the throne and we're going to be saying just that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that day. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 2 and verse 1 through verse 11. Our message this morning is entitled, It's a Miracle. And I want you to know that I believe in miracles. Do you believe in miracles? Amen. We've seen miracles happen in people's lives, and we're going to see a miracle here in the Bible that speaks some truths to our hearts and to our lives even today. So we're going to just begin by reading verse 1 down through uh, verse 3. And so let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word. John chapter 2, verse 1 through verse 3. On the third day, there was a wedding feast at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer this morning, Father, we know that as we heard in the song even there that we don't have to wait till heaven to come before your throne of grace. We are right now in prayer coming before your throne of grace because you've made the way, the access for us through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you will speak truth into our hearts, uh, that you would help those, Lord, who are not saved to come to faith in Christ, those who are, Lord, that you would uh, strengthen them in their faith. And, Father, I pray that there will be some application and truths that we can all take in our hearts and our lives to begin to apply, Lord, that we can experience the blessing that you have prepared for us. Lord, I pray that uh, you will bless your word as it goes forth, and may it not return void. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. You know, one of the interesting and puzzling things about Jesus is how he first comes on the scene as he begins his ministry. We've already talked about how he came first and in, in publicly with baptism. He ends uh, the Gospels with baptism where he tells us before he ascends into the heavens to go ye therefore and to baptize all the people, teaching them uh, the truths of God's word and, and how to apply that to their lives. Uh, but we see that the first miracle, the first event, if you will, after that, that he does here, uh, you would think that his first miracle would be something like what we see later of the feeding of the 5,000. Or, or making a lame man to walk or, or even raising someone from the dead. If we were planning things out, then we probably would have at least agreed that this first miracle of Jesus ought to be something spectacular. Get everybody's attention uh, so that they would listen. And so that's why uh, the story we're going to study today uh, is just absolutely shocking because far from being spectacular is probably the most simple miracle that we read about that Jesus ever performs. In fact, the plot is very simple. Here's Jesus and his disciples. They're at a wedding. The host runs out of wine. They can't go to the stores to get more. His mother asks for help. And Jesus transforms six jugs of water into wine. And that's it. And that's his first public display of a miracle. But it's nowhere as near as spectacular as some of his other miracles. And on top of that, why would Jesus perform a miracle involving wine? 
I mean, this is the only miracle that Jesus performed that, that sometimes makes us as, as church people uncomfortable. Uh, instead of trying to understand the miracle, though, uh, and enjoy it, some people spend more try- time trying to figure out just how to turn that water, uh, in, how to take that wine and turn it back into water. You know, one of the hallmarks uh, of the life and ministry of Jesus was both the quantity and the quality of the miracles that he performed. And there are several important things that we learn about the miracles of Jesus. The first is this, is that miracles are important. And then secondly, miracles always teach us something. So when we read about miracles in the Bible, we need to be asking ourselves, what are you trying to teach me, Lord, through this miracle? And then thirdly, know this, that Jesus is still in the miracle-working business. And so we're in this series on the life of Jesus, uh, and you're going to see many miracles that Jesus performed. But don't get so caught up in, in, in as much in trying to figure out how the miracles happen, but focus more on what Jesus is trying to teach us even today. I encourage you, if you've not gotten one of our The Life of Jesus books, please pick up one of those. They're here at the front. They're at the back as you leave. Uh, Pick up one of those. If you're a guest with us, get one of the guest bags. Uh, They're in the guest bag also for you. Uh, So uh, be sure to do that. If you're watching online, send us that message uh, and we'll get you uh, letting us know you want those and we'll send that to you. Uh, I'd encourage you because we're following that trying to do chronologically as best we know uh, through the life of Jesus. And so here with Jesus, we see that, that even though this appears to be one of the simplest miracles Jesus ever performed, it may be the most practical miracle that Jesus ever performed. And let me explain why. Because Jesus had to perform this miracle for one reason. They ran out of wine at the wedding. And I'm going to share with you in just a moment why that was such a big deal. Uh, this wedding, though, is a picture of life. The problem was they were running out. They were running, if you will, on empty. And if you live long enough, you're going to learn that every wedding eventually runs out of wine. In other words, every life gets to the place where you feel like you're running on empty. Uh, You're going to find times in your life where, and you may be there even now, where you've literally run out of options. Uh, You've got a problem that you can't solve. Uh, You've got a crisis that you can't handle. Uh, You're in a hole that you can't dig yourself out of. You're at the end of your rope. You're running on empty. And so if that's where you are, then this is what I want you to take away from this message. That our problems are God's possibilities. Our problems are God's possibilities. That's the one thing I want you to take away if you don't take anything else. This miracle, as simple as it is, gives us some of the most profound lessons on what to do when we feel like we're running on empty, that we've got no no place else to turn for our problems uh, that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. In fact, it gives us a formula that if we'll follow it, never fails. And so this is one of those messages I'd encourage you to write down uh, your notes there. If you take notes on your iPhone or your iPad, be sure to do that. Uh, And the next time that that unexpected crisis pops up, and it will, uh, the next time life goes south when you're driving north, remember a wedding, a woman, some water, and wine. And if you'll do the following, you'll begin to see the supernatural take place in your life. Here's the first step for you to take this morning. Turn to Jesus when you have a problem. If you don't do anything else, do that. Turn to Jesus when you have a problem. 
Look back again at verse 1 through verse 3. It says, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. What was the problem here? The problem was the wine was gone. And why was that such a big deal? Because back then, wine was to a wedding what the cake is to a wedding today. I mean, you could just imagine coming to the wedding today and they just forgot to bake the cake. I mean, that would be an embarrassment. Nothing would be more embarrassing than to, have, uh, to not have the wedding cake. In Bible days, they didn't have wedding cakes, but they had wedding wine. And the number one mistake would be to run out of wine. The celebration would instantly become humiliation. Was it a problem of life and death? No. But it was a real problem. The same thing is true for us. The vast majority of problems that we face in this life are not life and death problems. But they're problems still. They're real problems. Maybe losing your job, losing your keys, or, or, or that's not the same thing as losing your life, but that's real problems. Facing a lawsuit or, or facing jail uh, isn't like facing death, but that's still a real problem. What's important isn't the problems that you face. What's important is how you face those problems. So evidently Mary, Jesus' mother here, was sort of the hostess of the wedding, if you will, or, or maybe a wedding coordinator. Uh, she didn't want any embarrassment to come to her friends, and, and especially to the bride and groom. And so Mary did exactly the first thing that every one of us ought to do when we ever, whenever we face any problems. She turns to Jesus. She doesn't push the panic button. She doesn't go ballistic. She's not running all over the place screaming, Oh my gosh, we're out of wine. Oh Lord, we're out of wine. What are we going to do? Sometimes that's what we do, isn't it though? We're running around and, and we're all kind of crazy and, and, and panicking and there was no rise in her blood pressure. She didn't uh, pull or, or tear her hair out. She just simply turns to Jesus and she tells Jesus what the problem is. Now I know that sounds simple. And that kind of sounds elementary. But let's all be honest here. What do we usually do? We usually do just the opposite. That's, that's usually what we do. Where she took the problem to Jesus first, don't we normally take the problem to Jesus last? After we've tried to figure out all kinds of ways to fix the problem ourselves, we've turned to anybody else and everybody else and everything else, and then we finally... Say, oh yeah, maybe I should turn to Jesus. When we should have turned to Jesus first. By the way, there's a great lesson that we can learn right here. Because what we need to learn is that God wants to hear about every problem that you face. Now you may be thinking, but he already knows what my problems are. And that's true. But he wants you to tell him what those problems are just the same because he wants you to acknowledge that you have a problem, that you have a need, and that he is the source of providing for those needs. You know, I think about uh, our children. Our children are grown. They're out of the house now. We're in empty nesters. Our, our kids are grown. But uh, th there are still times that I know they have problems. And, and facing problems with them now as adult children is different than when they were little children. Uh, so I know that at the age and the stage of life that they are, we have to let them come to us and tell us what the problem is and, and ask for our help or they really won't accept our help anyway. Well, that's the same thing we have to do with God. 
God's not going to force you to come to him. But he wants you to come to him with every problem you face, no matter how insignificant you may think that your problem is. And that's one of the reasons why God allows problems to come into our lives to begin with. We all know that God is powerful enough, if he wanted to, to keep our lives problem-free. He could make your life be a bed of roses. You could, you could just coast through life and everything could be great and glorious and splendor if he wanted to do that. Uh, he could make sure that we never face death. He could make sure that we never face illness. We never have problems. We never deal with difficulties. He could make our lives all pleasure, no pain, all sunshine, no rain, all roses and no thorns. Do you know what would happen, though, if that were true? We'd never turn to God for anything. Because we'd think, I can, I can handle this. I can do this myself. Let me tell you right now, I, I'm not ashamed to admit it, even as a pastor, I have problems sometimes in life that I have no other recourse, no other choice except to turn to Jesus. There are some times and some things in, even in my life that, that I can't turn to anybody else except Jesus. One of the hard part, hardest parts many times of being a pastor and one of the sometimes loneliest parts of your job is is the fact that even though so many people turn to you when they've got problems uh for for advice and assistance i have things to deal with too so who do i turn to uh, i can't turn to myself so i have to turn to the father uh, you know the sheep turn to the shepherd but who does the shepherd turn to the only shepherd the shepherd can turn to is another shepherd and that's why we have to take refuge in the realization that the Lord is our shepherd. Isn't that what the psalmist told us in Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. If I'm trusting in him, if I'm bringing the problems to him, then I don't have any need to worry about the wants, about the problems of life because I'm trusting the Lord who is my shepherd. Trust me when I tell you to turn to Jesus. I'm not telling you to do something that I don't do with my own life. When you're running on empty, when you feel like you've reached the end of the rope, turn to Jesus with the problems. Before you ever get to that point of the end of the rope, turn to Jesus. Here's the second point I want you to get from this miracle this morning, is that you need to talk to Jesus about the problem. Talk to him about the problem. Now, how is that different? Notice what we see again in, in verse 3 uh, and verse 4 here. Listen to exactly what Mary did in, in verse 3. It says, When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. It's been said that a problem well stated is a problem half solved. That's exactly what Mary did. She tells Jesus exactly what the problem is. She doesn't tell him some long story about how we got to this place, whose fault it was, why we got here. Maybe it was the groom's fault who didn't think of this or, or, or the, the master of the ceremonies who didn't think of it. She doesn't go into all that. She just simply begins with the problem and tells him the problem. 
Do you know why this was such a problem? It was a big problem. In Bible days, as we said, the wedding was, a so, was the social event on the Jewish calendar. If you got invited to a wedding, you really didn't have a choice. You had to go. It was practically a social felony, if you will, if you didn't go. And there wasn't a, a bigger social happening in the Jewish life than a wedding. It usually began with a ceremony at sundown in the synagogue. And the entire wedding party would leave the synagogue and they would begin this long candlelight procession right through the middle of town celebrating the marriage. The couple would be escorted past as many homes as possible so everyone could come out and congratulate them. And after the procession, the couple, they didn't go on a honeymoon. The honeymoon was brought to them. Uh, they went home to a party and the party lasted several days. And there would be gift giving and there would be speech making and there would be food eating and there would be wine drinking and the place would be kept full of food and glasses would be kept full and if the food or the wine ran out it was considered a tremendous insult but get ready for this it was worse than an insult because hospitality at a wedding was considered such a sacred duty that the master at the wedding the one you might call the master of the ceremonies could actually be sued for breach of hospitality that's right if they ran out of food or they ran out of wine you could be sued and so that's why Mary immediately goes to Jesus. And listen again to Jesus' response here in verse 4. He says, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now imagine Jesus getting away with saying that to his mama. Uh, why are you bothering me, woman, with this? My hour has not yet come. Men, when you go home this afternoon, try that. We'll see how many of you show up next Sunday with a black eye. <laughs> Next time you're watching a ball game and the wife asks you to take out the garbage or help her with the dishes, just quote this to Jesus. Woman, why are you bothering me? My time hasn't yet come. When, what Jesus was saying was, it wasn't time for him to completely reveal who he was yet. Now, I don't want you to miss the bigger picture here. Mary has a problem. She turns to Jesus with the problem. She talks to Jesus about the problem. She's very clear what the problem is because she knew something about Jesus that we need to learn about Jesus, what we need to know about Jesus, what we need to remember about Jesus. What matters to us matters to Jesus. That's what we need to know. I know we believe that's true about the big stuff, things like cancer or bankruptcy or divorce. But Jesus also cares about your grouchy boss that you have. He cares about when you have a flat tire. He cares about lost dogs and broken dishes and late flights and toothaches and ruptured discs. Let me ask you a question. Why did Jesus do this as his first miracle? Why did Jesus change this water into wine? Why did, did, did he do it to impress the crowd? No. I mean, they didn't even know it happened. Did he do it because he had to? No, it, it wasn't his reputation on the line. It, it was the wedding party's reputation on the line. He did it because he cared. He did it to prove that what matters to us matters to him. He did it to show that our problems are his possibilities. 
First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this, that we need to cast all our anxieties, all of our cares on him because he cares for you. Do you know why you can bring all your cares to God? Because he cares for you and he cares for your cares. If you care about it, he cares about it. What matters to you matters to him. So turn to Jesus with your problem. Talk to Jesus about your problem. And then here's the third point. Trust Jesus to handle the problem. This is where it gets hard for us. Because we still want to take the problem back even after we've brought it to Jesus and try to fix it ourselves. We feel like we have to do something. All we have to do is to listen to the Lord and do what he tells us to do. So the next thing that Mary does is the most important thing of all. There's one thing we have to do when, when marriage is empty, when, when the bank account is, is empty, when you have nothing left in the, in, in the tank of your heart. And it's found in the next thing that Mary says here in verse 5. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. I'll tell you, that's the greatest piece of advice given in the Bible. It's the best advice given to us in history. You don't have a problem right now in your life that Jesus can't solve if you'll do whatever he tells you to do. Marriages would be transformed if husbands and wives would just do what Jesus tells them to do. Your finances would change if you would just do what Jesus tells you to do. Your children would be happier if they would just do what Jesus tells them to do. Have you ever wondered why so many people who claim to know Jesus and say they follow Jesus uh, don't seem happy and, and aren't full of joy? They seem to have uh, the same frustrations, the same depression, the same problems that, that people without Jesus have. Now, I'm not saying that's true for everybody at every time, but I'll tell you the number one reason that is true. So many followers of Jesus don't have very much joy in their life. is because they're not doing what Jesus tells us to do. And you say, what did Jesus tell me to do? He's told us right here all, a lot of what we need to do. And too many of us know what he's told us to do. We just don't do it. Jesus said this in John 13 and verse 17. He said, if you know these things, the, the commandments that I've given to you, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. See, it's not enough just to know what the word of God says, to have it up here in your, in your mind. We have to then take it and put it in our hearts and begin to apply it, begin to do what God's word says to do. So, so notice here, did you notice that the water wasn't turned into wine until the jugs were completely filled to the brim? Let's see how this works. Verse 6 down through verse 11. It says, now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted what? The water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. 
but you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed him. So notice again there uh, that, that the, the water wasn't turned into wine until the jugs were completely filled to the brim the way Jesus demanded. So often we have it backwards. We think obedience <coughs> follows blessing. Instead, what we find from the Bible is that blessing follows obedience. We think, Lord, if you'll just bless me, then I'll do this or I'll do that. Here's an example of the way this works. We, we kind of say, well, when I get my bills paid, get completely out of debt, when I get complete, uh, have plenty of money to spare, then I'll start giving to God. Here's another one. When I get my problems straightened out and, and get my act together, then I'll go back to church. Here's another. When my wife begins to be the wife she ought to be, then I'll be the husband I ought to be. Do you know what happens in all of those circumstances? People never give, they never go back to church, and their marriage goes south. Why? Because obedience doesn't follow blessing. Blessing follows obedience. And so when you obey God and you do what God tells you to do, you can expect God to come through. Jesus tells the servants, draw out some of this water and take it to the master of the ceremonies to taste. And you wouldn't know it, but Jesus was asking them to do a dangerous thing here. Those jugs normally held uh, water that was used to wash dirty hands, not wine for tasting. Not even wine for a wedding. These men, <clears throat> they could have been sent to prison for doing such a disgraceful act as taking dirty water to the master of ceremonies that was expecting sparkling wine. Do you see what happens here? The water became wine after they obeyed, not before they obeyed. They didn't say, well, wait a second, Jesus. I want to see it become wine first before I take it over there to the master of ceremonies. I want to see this water. I'm not going to take him some water that's in these jars that were used for, for, for washing things washing your hands notice here the water became wine after they obeyed not before they obeyed and know this that Jesus will not do what you need him to do until you do what he wants you to do for him so what does Jesus do think about this each of those jars held about 25 gallons of water that was enough for about 2,500 glasses of wine, more than enough to meet the needs of that banquet. When the wedding feast finally ended, there still would have been plenty left to drink. Think about this. Our problems are God's possibilities. Because when we offer what we have to God, God will provide more than we ever needed. Know this, we know this, why Jesus performed this miracle first. Because if Jesus can take ordinary well water and in a heartbeat like that, change its molecular structure and turn it into wine so wonderful that the most experienced wine taster would say, man, this is the best wine. You brought the best wine for last. If he can do that, what do you think he can do for you? 
He can change your marriage. He can change your children. He can change your spouse. He can change your financial circumstances. He can change your heart. This miracle would have never happened except for one thing that was said about this wedding that most of us never even notice. Go back to verse 2 in this passage, if you will. Notice what verse 2 says. Do you see it? Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. The best thing that bride and groom did that day wasn't to get married, wasn't the celebration. The best thing they did that day was to invite Jesus to the wedding. Because if Jesus hadn't been there, there would have been no miracle, and it would have been a disgrace for them. Would you invite Jesus into your heart and you invite Jesus into your life, you will know for the rest of your life that no matter what problems you face, all of those problems are God's possibilities if you would but trust him and do what he tells you to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, such a simple miracle that we've seen in comparison to the others. And yet, such a powerful message that we need to turn to you when we face problems. Lord, we know this morning that either we're coming out of a problem in our life, we're in the middle of a problem right now, or there's a problem just around the corner waiting for us. What we do with those problems and how we handle those problems can make all the difference in the world for us and for your glory. And so, Father, I pray that we will learn that lesson, that we will come to you first with our problems, that we will tell you what our problems are. But then, Lord, we would just trust you. Trust means that I give it all to you. And Lord, when we give everything we have and everything we are to you, you will take it and bring more blessing into our life when we're obedient to you than we could ever imagine. Lord, open the windows of heaven and pour out that blessing upon us as we obey you. Lord, the first step of obedience for us this morning is to make sure that we know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. So, Father, I pray this morning that if there are those who are here, those who are watching online, that they've never done that. They've never trusted by faith in Jesus as their Lord. Lord, I pray that the greatest problem that they face is the problem of their sin debt. That if they were to die in their sin right now, they would be eternally separated from you forever in a literal hell. Father, I pray that they would come this morning and confess their sin and call out to Jesus as Lord. And say, God, I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on that cross, was buried in the tomb, and arose on the third day. I bring my problem to you, Jesus, and I, and I ask you to meet my need. Save me from my sin and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I pray that those individuals will come this morning to publicly profess that faith. Others, Lord, who, who they've done that and maybe they just simply need to come this morning to follow through with believers' baptism, to be obedient to what you've told us to do. Lord, there are probably many, though, who are here that they're facing all kinds of problems in their life right now. And I don't know what those problems are, God, but you do and they do. 
And so, Father, I pray that they would stop going to other places and other people and other things, uh, Father, and first go to you. Lord, you've given us and blessed us with so many resources for problems that we face in our life. But even then, we still need to go to you first to make sure, Lord, that as we seek your will, we're following what you would have us to do, that we are taking the courses of action that your word would have us to do, that we're not trusting in self, that we're not ultimately trusting in others, but that ultimately we're trusting in you. So help us to do that this morning, Lord. Lord, help us to realize that our problems are your greatest possibilities and that you may want to do just that this morning, a miracle in our lives. But we must first step out in obedience. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Mike, come and lead us in our hymn of invitation. If you would, stand as we sing Trust and Obey, number 447.
Amen. I tell you, what a morning we've had, don't you think? Uh, nothing better than to uh, have a baptism and then a profession of faith, and I'm just so proud of both of that. Uh, before I get into all the announcements, Matt's got a couple he'd like to make. Well, good morning, church. We have a, uh, a few announcements for parents this morning. So, parents, we are finishing up our Bible study on the gender dilemma today at 3 and if you haven't had an opportunity to come, I encourage you, even if it's the last one, still come. Uh, it's always really great conversations that take place, and, uh, you know, we learn from each other, and it's been a good Bible, good study so far. And so I'm hoping to do a different uh, Bible study with parents in April, and there'll be some more information to come, out, come up with that. Also, youth are starting uh, season two of The Chosen. Uh, we're going to start that at 4.30, and you're also... Uh, invited to come hang out with us and be a part of that after we watch the show we'll have a discussion time afterwards and and it's always a great opportunity lord to just you know see a visual of what you read about in the in the scriptures and so it's, it's a really good show um, also parents re remember camp deposits are due march 1st uh, 50 dollars and also the, the youth are planning on to do uh, yc which is going to be in murfreesboro uh, and so if you have your parent newsletter, or if you don't have, you're not able to get the parent newsletter through the Remind app, uh, please let me know. Uh, all the information is going to be on that newsletter, and it's going to hopefully answer all your questions that you have. So um, I'm sure if you don't, if you've read it, uh, you know, you, you still have more questions, let me know. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. And so it's going to be March 11th through 12th. And so if we can get students to sign up before the end of February, we can get a discount price. And what we would do is go up there and on Friday night on the 11th, come back here, perhaps spend the night at the church if we got enough people to sign up, and then uh, go back on Saturday morning. Or if you can only go one day, that's fine as well. Just We can work out those details with it. So if you got questions, you know, go to the newsletter, then come see me. So cause that's where I'll push, you, I'll push you to first. But thank you for your time. Thanks. Thank you, Matt. We appreciate uh, all the work you're doing with our youth and children and the programs. Uh, just a few special announcements. Uh, we want to remember uh, some prayer concerns that we got. Well, first of all, for the prayer concerns, uh, any kind of announcements in the bulletin, we'll let you go through them. There are several dates coming up, so just refer to your bulletin to go through them. Some uh, special concerns we have, we want to continue to remember uh, Christopher Norman, as he recovers from his skiing accident, and I understand he's doing well and, and everything going great for the recovery there. We'd also like to be uh, uh, in prayer with uh, Cotton Myers, that's uh, James Myers' father. He's in ICU in Winchester with uh, CPOD, so please uh, be in prayer with them. And of course, this last uh, month, it seems like wintertime is always the time when we seem to uh, lose a lot of families and uh, members. So there's several that's passed away in the last couple of weeks. We want to continue to remember all those, uh, especially we want to be with uh, the family of Mike Mason. Uh, he passed away on Wednesday, February 9th. Uh, Linda Doubt and, and her family and the passing of her sister, Barbara Wilkins. That was on February 13th. Uh, the family of Mike Beck, his funeral was yesterday. He passed away on uh, Monday, February 14th. And then Susie Barton and, and her family be with them as her sister, Ona Franklin, passed away on the 17th. 
So we want to remember all these families and also want to remember others that's lost loved ones in, in the recent weeks. And if there's no other announcements, we'll uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we just thank you for this day you've given us. Thankful, Father, for the message that we've heard this morning. Lord, we're just so thankful for the miracles that you do. Father, you're, you've been in control in the past. You're in control today, and you'll be in control tomorrow. And Lord, all we have to do is just put our faith and trust into you. Lord, we just ask that you be with all those who are going through special concerns, those who are in the hospitals going through sicknesses and illnesses, those who have lost loved ones in the past days and past weeks. Please continue to lift up the families and, and, uh, and be with each of them in a special way. Father, we just ask that you continue to bless our church. We're so thankful for the ministries we have here and the leadership we we have with uh, Brother Jim and Brother Matt and Mike with your leading of the music. We're just so blessed. Father, as we go now, we just hope, Lord, that the, the blessings will uh, continue to be with each and every one. And Lord, we just hope that uh, as we leave, others will see Christ uh, through our actions. All these things we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And Nathan, if you and your family.